Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today I'm going to be talking with Plastic Martyr. She's a trans activist, actress, singer, and model. She has such interesting stories, and I'm really looking forward to our chat. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Now please enjoy my conversation with trans activist Plastic Martyr. Welcome to the show, Plastic Martyr. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I just, I, I enjoy your Twitter presence. I love your sass. I love your intelligence and your grace. And so I'm really happy to have you on. And, um, you know, thank you and welcome. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And likewise, I love your Twitter as well. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So many questions for you. But before I start, I want to be clear about something because, I, of course, I'm going to ask you about being a trans woman. Um, yes. And I worry that I'm not always going to get it right. I'm afraid that sometimes I might fuck up with my terminology or I may ask ignorant questions. So I'm just asking that, you know, if, if I do, please do not feel shy to point it out and tell me this is, you know, however you would want to phrase it. Um, I just, you know, I think it's important for allies to express this as we're navigating our way through the ever-changing times because, uh, you know, I mean, I think, um, oh, I can't think of the guy's name. He's a comedian and he was Patton Oswalt. And he was saying, look, we, we want to we wanna get this right. And, but we're like so baked. I mean, I'm 54 years old. I'm baked in to who I am, but I'm absolutely willing to change. So just in case I get something wrong, please correct me. I want to, you know, I want to be the best possible ally. So now that that's out of the way. <laughs> um, okay, so you're an actress, a model, and a singer. So before we get into anything else, I just want you to talk about yourself. Tell us about who you are and your craft. Well, I am, first of all, I do want to say thank you so much for even prefacing with that. And I totally understand. I don't expect uh, aren't trans to understand everything. And I think yeah. it's unfair for trans people or any marginalized community for that matter to get immediately angry with people who don't mean any harm by it. Like that's the whole point of educating and learning yeah. is because you wouldn't know these experiences right. and things. So I thank you so much for prefacing with that. And I am totally not one of those people that's going to be like <laughs> butthurt if a question is asked the wrong way. So okay. it's totally fine. Um, I am, yes, I am an actress, a model and a singer. I started out really, really young. First of all, I began my transition at about five. Wow. So it wasn't easy. Like, being in Hollywood as a trans person for the last, like, however, I don't want to give my age away, but um, <laughs> for a very long time. Um, so I was rejected a lot and fired a lot from jobs when people found out I was transgender. Ugh. So I basically kind of had to make my own name and make my own spot in the industry. And it wasn't easy, but I have dabbled in everything from modeling to acting. I have two movies out now. Mm. Um, one is on Amazon and going to be on Tubi soon. Just won like four awards. That's called wow. Yellowbird. Awesome. And I was just in another movie with Tom Sizemore, who unfortunately oh, is not wow. doing very well. Yeah. And that's called Battle for Pandora. And then I, before the pandemic, right before the pandemic, I released my first single with Capital 
incredible record. So that was pretty, pretty That's fun. Amazing. Congratulations. That is so effing cool. Um, Thank you. So did you, I mean, have you always wanted to be an entertainer? No, I actually was really, really, really shy, believe it or not, and still kind of am. I don't really like, <laughs> I, I, people are not going to believe this when I say this, I don't really like having attention on me. Um, <laughs> I pretend I do for <laughs> yeah. entertainment purposes, but really I'm very shy and barely ever leave my house. But I always <laughs> wanted to actually be a fashion designer. And my oh. plans were when I was younger, I wanted to go to Parsons in New York and become a designer. And then um, school wasn't easy for me, obviously being trans. Mm -hmm. So that never happened. And instead I ended up modeling the clothes instead of de designing them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's interesting. And so when, when did the entertainment bug hit you? Um, I honestly think it like right away. Like I remember I was really, really big on MySpace back mm -hmm. in the, the early 2000s. I was about 13, 14 and I got approached by a photographer and I had blue hair at the time and was this really bizarre looking, almost non-binary, just this little alien thing. <laughs> I had blue hair and wore all this crazy makeup and giant platform boots and whatever. And I had my own little quirky style. And he asked to photograph me and I was like, okay. So we did this photo shoot and it ended up just going everywhere. And then I started getting approached by all these other photographers and then designers. And then I just like, I was loving it. I loved creating art mm -hmm. and it was really, really fun. Have you studied acting? I have, I've been in acting school for a while. Yeah. Is it now I used to be an actor and I studied what was called the Meisner technique. Are you are you studying a technique? Or are you just like going to different teachers and taking everything you can from the teachers? I like studying with different people because mm -hmm. I learn different techniques. Yeah. I don't usually subscribe to one thing. I've learned so many. First of all, I think like a lot of the the acting schools in LA are kind of bullshit. Like I feel like they just try to take your money and mm -hmm. teach you crap that like you already know. So I really, yes. for me, it was being able to break down that. I, I was always like, it was hard for me to break down the model part of me and then enter the actor part. Mm. So I was always coming off very stiff on camera. Yeah. Um, I worked with two great coaches who were my dear friends up until a week ago when I actually had a falling out with one of them. Okay. Um, but yeah, I learned so much from them and I was able to just kind of find that inner actor in me. Wow. Now, do you have an agent and are you going out on auditions and things? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I'm always auditioning. Again, it's very hard because there's yeah. not a lot of roles for trans people in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And those roles that are out there for trans people are always very stereotypical. So I don't mm -hmm. get cast for those. And God forbid I play a cis person. Would you <laughs> right. imagine? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually did play a cis person in my in, um, Battle for Pandora. It was never addressed that I was trans. I was always just... A, a woman in that so yeah, that was that's actually it, really cool yeah that's how it should be I think yeah, I mean it, I agree. I, of course I can't I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes but I do know what it's like to be in Hollywood and have Hollywood look at you like I don't know what the fuck to do with you because I mean I was six I am six feet tall and I have I'm sorry for all the listeners who have to listen to my story again so I'll be short but <laughs> but I have like huge bones and I really, I really do. I have like a, a massive clavicle and I'm bigger than like everyone, including the men. So 
you know, I had the blonde thing going and I had the height. Well, the height didn't necessarily work for me, but um, people just Hollywood didn't know what to make of me. And especially when I was pursuing back in the 90s when I was in my 20s, I looked like an authority. You know, I think I looked I could have played doctor and all that. And it it wouldn't have been so much of a stretch for Hollywood to to cast a 23, 24 year old as a, you know, a lawyer because they always do shit like that. But ultimately, um, I think that, you know, it was really difficult for me and I was unable to I mean, I I did get on a soap. I was on Days of Our Lives for seven years for a very small character. It was a small police. I would play a police person, but um, nothing substantial. But it really did fuck with my head. And it was because I, I had body hatred. I just yeah. I hated the fact that I didn't look like all the other women. And so, yeah. you know, at least the ones who are working. So this industry definitely, um, I think, poisons people. I, I personally on I, I mean, obviously, I struggled with gender dysphoria and body yeah. dysphoria because of my my transness. But then on top of that, add in the the self-hatred that Hollywood sprinkles mm-hmm. on everybody. And it's like now we have filters and Photoshop yeah. and all this shit that I'm like, I look in the mirror and I just, I like cry all the time. Cause I'm like, I feel so ugly. And my boyfriend's always like, what are you talking about? You're gorgeous. And I'm like, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't fucking see it. Like yeah. I don't see what you see. Yeah. And it's really because of social media and all the filters and everything. So I really go out of my way to not use filters. Or if I do, I use the most natural looking filter that mm-hmm. still looks like me, but it'll blur my, my, like whatever, my skin a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm, I, I just think it's, it's unhealthy for people to, think that that's what they're supposed to look like is basically a cartoon totally and i mean when i was pursuing the uh show alan mcbeal was popular and she was a Mm -hmm. size zero and be you know there's no way in hell i could have been a five i mean i couldn't even fit into size i could fit into a size eight but it didn't fit me but it's like you know it just made me feel like i just it was horrible i mean i had a lot of fun i don't want to make it sound like my experience was awful but you know as you just said the hollywood sprinkles hate on everyone and it's just you know when you're in that industry and then people say certain things to you like there was this one woman who i studied with and she said to me at the time that um brooke brooke shields and i were basically the same as far as stature and i think bone structure and mm-hmm. she, you know she was on that show suddenly susan and i yeah. i was on tv at that time and so i could see that we basically had the same kind of body i had bigger boobs but that was it and um this this woman said to me because of course she was kind of not very nice she said that brooke shields was 20 pounds lighter than i was and that if that i would never be considered sexy if I was, you know, if I continued at that weight and her comment, now I'm not going to blame her for this, but because of her comment and because of my own insecurities that launched an eating disorder. So, you know, I mean, it was just like, it sucked. It sucked so much. So I'm grateful that I had that experience. I had fun. I tortured myself a lot. I'm really glad that I'm out of it now, but I love talking to other creative people. So enough about me, but (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I love, I mean, again, don't get me wrong. I love Hollywood. It's, I feel so blessed and honored to have what I have and the experiences that I've had, even though they're few experiences (laughs) compared to most people, I'm grateful for them and I'm grateful for the platform I've been given. I'm grateful for all of it, but yeah, it does, it does fuck with your head a lot. Like right now I'm on the cabbage soup diet to lose 10 pounds immediately before I start working again. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I was just, I just did this patrons only show for, for my listeners. And yesterday I went shopping 
and I saw all the summer clothes out and I said it like I wanted to immediately go on a starvation diet because yeah. I want to fit in those clothes. That's and- what I'm doing. I was it was the holidays and then I was recovering from surgery for three months. So I packed on the pounds and I'm like I called my manager yesterday. And I was like, I really want to get back into work. And I was like, I got on the scale and I'm like, gosh, okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, being whatever you are. But yeah. like, again, the pressure in this industry, it's like it's, you're either going to end up hating yourself or. It's just like endless battle. It's endless battle. It totally is. Okay, so now I'm really curious. You said that you started transitioning when you were five. So can yeah. you just, I, I'm sure you've told your story a million times, but I don't know it. So I'm interested in, in knowing about what it was you understood about yourself at that young age. So I have a mother who is incredible she's got two masters in psychology she belongs to Mensa she's a genius she's wonderful and I was lucky enough to have her as a mom so she clearly understood what I was going through and understood everything and always supported me and it never made me feel bad about it and I was just very vocal from a very young age about feeling like I was in the wrong body and Mm -hmm. I would even draw little pictures and like before I was even in school I'd be like three or four doodling little stick figures and I'd always be a girl in all those pictures mm-hmm. and then like I would whatever play dress up in my mom's clothes or whatever and, and by the time I was five and I was going to kindergarten I remember I wanted to wear like a, a little girl's outfit to school and my mom said to me you can go to school in this outfit but you have to understand that the other kids may make fun of you mm-hmm. or you can put the outfit on when you come home from school and she gave me that op- that option, and I went to school in the outfit. I was like, fuck those kids, dude. So I <laughs> basically just started socially transitioning. At that point, there wasn't really terminology for it. Mm-hmm. There, It was all still very taboo. I didn't know about pronouns or anything like that. So for the longest time, up until like my teens, I went by he, him pronouns just because I didn't know there was really another option for yeah. it. And then later in my teens, I started um, hormones and then began like actually fully transitioning with like surgeries and stuff like that. Wow. So when you were going on hormones, now I have, I've been on hormones throughout my life, whether it was birth control and then when Mm -hmm. I hit, uh, you know, being older and everything, menopause, and I started taking, well, I've I've taken progesterone, testosterone, Mm -hmm. and um, estrogen. Estrogen, yep. I gotta say, and my experience was not fun. And you know what? I look back onto my my birth control experiences, and I I never did ve- very well on them, but it makes me yeah. gain a lot of weight. So I'm just wondering, with your hormone experience, what was that like for you? Did it, it also estrogen? When I got older, like turned me into a fucking nightmare. I was a nightmare. Yeah. So I'm just like <laughs> wondering how it affected you. Oh, I'm a I'm a. I don't know if I can say this word, but I'm going to go, I'm a complete cunt ever since I transitioned, but like, I'm okay with that. I remember though taking my first estrogen pill and the next morning I woke up and I kind of started to cry because I felt like I finally felt at home in my body. Wow. It was the weirdest thing. I woke up and I was just like, holy shit, like something feels different huh. and I feel better in my skin Hmm. and I then noticed that my skin got softer um my body hair got thinner I just became more more myself and then after going on t-blockers and then estrogen for a while 
I started to get, you know, that feminine figure. And mm -hmm. then when I went off of the T blockers after I got my bottom surgery, I went on um, progesterone and I've been on progesterone and, and um, estrogen every day ever since. And I, I love it. I honestly, other than the mood swings and the weight gain, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you know, the progesterone is saving my life right now because yeah. I read a study. I mean, and actually it saved my life my whole life because I've had weird issues with hormones. And when I was in my 20s, and so I'm sorry for some anybody who has issues listening to menstrual stories, you know, maybe fast forward a couple minutes. But <laughs> um, I would bleed all month, all month. And I won't yeah. describe it but it was gross. And um, this woman told me about progesterone cream. And when yeah. I started taking that, oh my God, it literally changed everything. I had a regular cycle and then what wound up and, and I just kept, I always used the cream. And then when I That's went on, on, yeah. And when I went on bioidentical hormones, I, I've done a few things, whether it's been cream or, uh, well, I guess it's all been cream except for one. I did take the oral uh, progesterone. But then when I went off, okay, so I went on the estrogen and I packed on a lot of weight and I just did not feel like myself. And eventually I went off. But then when I went off, oh my God, it was like a second round of hot flashes, but the hot flashes yeah. were like the worst I've ever had. And I read that there was a study uh, and it's, I can't remember who the study was, but it was oral progesterone. Although I found that I can use the cream, but it stopped, like I'd say... 90%. So yeah. it, it's like, it has been a lifesaver for me my whole life. So, but that's yeah, good to know that you're are amazing. And that's yeah. what's so fucking annoying with people who are using it like as a, as a, it's like a talking point of for anti-trans stuff. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, everybody's going, it's like, first of all, you fucking idiots. <laughs> cis people go on hormones every fucking yes. day, including cis youth go yes. on stuff to try to boost like growth spurts and shit like that yeah. so it, the the hypocrisy is so fucking annoying that it's okay for cis people to do it but if trans people do it then it's this big to do and mm -hmm. oh my god stay away from our kids it's like right. shut the fuck up so <laughs> i love hormones i mean they saved my life and i notice a difference when i have to go off of them before surgeries i have to go off them for like two to three weeks prior to surgery and mm -hmm. um, Oh my God, that is just, it's horrible. I it's bet. horrible. I bet. I can totally imagine that would be, yeah. Uh, God, yeah, it drives you nuts. And I, I mean, I'm on a, whatever I'm doing right now, I think is like evening me out and it's, it's working. So once you find that right fix, it does change everything. Yeah. And what's scary is that they're like, obviously now trying to take that away for trans mm -hmm. people. And I don't know what we would do. I would die if I didn't have I my know. hormones. I really would die. Yeah. So it's just awful that like we have to live with that constant fear of, I don't know if I'm going to still be able to get my hormones next month or the yeah. month after that. And it's kind of like similar to what like, um, cis women are going through regarding like birth control mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like the fact that the government is taking that away from you because a couple of people think it's wrong to get an abortion or like yeah. prevent pregnancy. It's like, are you kidding me? This shit saves people's lives. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, there were times when I went on birth, the birth control pill, which I didn't even like it, but the first time, well, I think the second time I went on it, it was because I, I had cramps that were so bad. I would pass out. I would, be in bed for three days I'd miss work and you know I I, I don't, it was like a miracle I started taking birth control and all of I mean yeah I'd get cramps 
but it wasn't debilitating. And then for the rest of my life, even when I went off of the birth control, I never had cramps that were so severe. And then another time I went back on it because of acne. And it basically, yeah, yeah, I gained weight, but then my face cleared up. So I wasn't taking that birth control for reproductive issues. It was, you know, for other reasons. And so, yeah, yeah, it's not, that's not the only reason we take them. No, people are just so ignorant and they just say stupid shit because they don't know better. But <laughs> I like, again, it's something that I will always fight for and defend as yeah. hormone replacement therapy, therapy for both trans and cis people because it saves it saves you. It yeah. really does. And it, it totally changes and improve and can improve the quality of your life. Yeah. Um, all right. OK, you know what? We have to take a quick break, but we will be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly. If you're not already my patron, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You can take a look at all the tiers and decide how you want to support the show. Thank you so much. Okay, we are back. And okay, so let's see. What was I going to ask you? Um, okay, I do. I am curious about your, uh, your, what did you call it? Your bottom operation? My bottom surgery. Your bottom surgery. Okay, so now was... What can you tell us about that? Was it painful? Was it, did it freak you out? How, how did you like process that? Ooh, that's a good, good question. Um, it was definitely an emotional roller coaster for me. Obviously, it's something that I always, always wanted. Mm-hmm. I never wanted a penis. I've always wanted a vagina. I always, ever since I was a kid, I'd be looking up, I'd be playing with my Barbies and be like, why don't I have a body like this? And like, I never understood why I was cursed with this penis, you know? Mm -hmm. And I always wanted it. There was never a doubt in my mind, but I get the surgery and it's a little freaky. I'm not going to lie. Cause at at that point I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I'm just sitting in a hospital bed. And I remember this nurse comes in and she checks the dressings on it and she goes, and I've been, I was in, I had to be in the hospital for like a week. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't see anything. I'm in a hospital bed. I'm all bandaged up and she's checking it and she goes, wow, it looks so good. Do you want to see it? And I'm all like, yeah, sure. And I'm thinking it's going to be this perfect vagina. Right. <laughs> and she takes my phone and takes a picture of it and shows it to me. And I start bawling. And I'm just like, what did I do? I'm like, they were right. I mutilated myself. You know, I was like, oh my God. But I mean, that was day one. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> After I remember I got out of the hospital, I came home and I'm healing at home and it was a long recovery. It was about three months of recovery for hmm. me. But I remember it was about week three after the surgery and I'm getting out of the shower. And prior to my surgery, when I bought my house, first thing I did is I ripped out all the mirrors in my house. I couldn't yeah. have a full length mirror anywhere in the house. Cause if I saw myself naked, I'd fucking kill myself. <laughs> so I only had one mirror in my bathroom, which was like a, one of those little vanity mirrors that like only went from my chest up basically. And I was coming out of the shower and for whatever reason, I caught myself in the mirror full body and I saw my body for the first time with my vagina and I started crying these like happy tears where I just finally felt like I saw the person that I saw when I closed my eyes at night and she was standing in front of me now in the mirror. And from that moment on, I knew I made the right decision. And after it healed, it, it is stunning. It's beautiful. It's functional. You would never know it was. I wasn't born with it. Like Really? My doctor, oh, my God. I'm going to say something now that I never thought I would say, but I want to see. <laughs> oh, I'll totally send you a picture after. I have no shame about it. <laughs> I totally want you to. Um, yeah. Oh, it's fabulous. Are you able to have orgasms? Oh, yeah. So that's the other thing. So I was always like, okay. Like, I wonder how it's going to feel. And I didn't think for me, I was, I was like, okay, well, I'm sure it's never going to feel like 
that difference since it wasn't like a biological vagina that I was born mm -hmm. with. And I'm sure it's different for cis women than it is going to be for me. But it took me a while to learn how to orgasm mm -hmm. after I had to watch a lot of lady porn to figure <laughs> out how to get myself off. Um, but once I learned the, the rhythm and I found that spot, I was just like, oh my God, mind blowing, like wow. mind blowing orgasms that were so completely vastly different from orgasming before mentally, physically, it was just a night and day for me. Now, do you think that's interesting? Because, of course, you always want to wonder, what does it feel like? I'm wondering, what does it feel like when you have a yeah. penis as opposed to a vagina? So I'm wondering if your perspective as a trans person and, you know, your desire um, to be different than the way you were born, did, do you think that played into your pleasure? Or do you say, no, it was just physical? You're talking only no, physical. Absolutely. It, it played into it a lot. I mean, before I felt so much shame and anytime I had sex with somebody, it was it was there was shame attached mm. to it. I couldn't ever enjoy it. Mm. I don't think I ever really orgasmed with a partner prior to it because I was so mortified by that part of my body. Hmm. So if I ever did orgasm, it was in private. And then again, after like I orgasmed, there, it was followed with shame mm -hmm. and sadness. So I never enjoyed it. And then oh. afterwards, I was like, oh my God, I finally have this beautiful vagina that I've always wanted. And it, it, you know, I just felt complete finally. And I do think that mentally that played a huge part in it, but physically it's different too. Like I can have different orgasms, like from like whatever, the top of the mons pubis, then stimulating the clitoris, then inside mm. vaginally. And like just wow. there's three different types. And you have like the kitten orgasms and the full blown <laughs> mind shattering earth ground shaking orgasm. Like there's just like different layers to it, which I never experienced before. Wow. And they last longer. That is really oh, that is so yeah. amazing. It's so yeah. fascinating because I've never had the opportunity or just I've never talked to – I've talked to people who are trans before, but I've never talked about this, like, so intimately. So <laughs> Oh, it, I'm an open book, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, there's no information on this. So even for me, I went in blind. It's yeah. not like they sent me home with a fucking pamphlet after. <laughs> like, I had to learn everything. I had to learn how to masturbate. I had to learn how to pee. I had to learn – like, wow. everything. They shorten your urethra. They replace the urethra. They give you, you know, the uh, new clitoris and mm -hmm. a clitoral hood and my lady. And I had to just discover everything. I was like a kid again, just discovering wow. myself for the first time. And it was really like just beautiful and fascinating for my for myself even to discover all that. And how old were you when you had that surgery? That was six years ago. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's we, we so that long ago. And then that was my first surgery I did was actually my bottom surgery. And then I did four months later, I did my breasts. And then after that, um, I didn't have any surgeries until October. This year, October, I did facial feminization, just some light facial feminization. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, you're absolutely beautiful. Um, and you. you're, you know, I, I showed a picture. I, I told my mom I was going to be interviewing you. And so I just sent your picture and she's like, wow, she's beautiful. So, yeah, I mean, oh. I can see why you're a model. But um, thank you, mama. <laughs> you have a very cool mama, and so do I. So that's good. Um, yes, I love mom. <laughs> nothing like having a good, supportive, a progressive mother. I swear it's no, the best. They are incredible and my hero. Mothers in general are my heroes. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This planet is just, I feel like we undervalue yes. women and mothers, first of all, in this planet. A hundred percent. Okay, I want to ask you I watched a YouTube video. 
where you described this awful situation when a, a boyfriend of yours doxed you. And I just want you to talk a little bit about that for my listeners because I was so blown away. And I'm just going to let you tell that story. Yeah, so I was I was a kid still. I was probably like 19. And I broke up with this, this guy I was dating. And he clearly was, was pissed about it. <laughs> and a few months go by after we break up. And it's actually my birthday. I'm turning, I believe I was turning 20. And my phone starts ringing off the hook. And I think it's like people calling to say happy birthday to me, but no. Um, instead, it was all these disgusting men calling me, leaving these horrible graphic messages and text messages. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I finally answer the phone the next time somebody calls me. And I'm like, who is this? Like, why are you calling me? And they said, well, I'm, I'm calling you because of the ad. And I go, what ad? And he goes, type your number in on Craigslist. So I type my number in, and up pops this, this horrible post in the personal section with this disgusting rape fantasy that I, I want big trucker men to rape me. Oh. And it's got these photos of me where I'm, like, basically implied nude that like these just beautiful photos and my phone number, my address, my name, all this fucked up shit. And I didn't know what to do. So I immediately contacted Craigslist and told them to take down the thing and they were great Mm -hmm. and they took it down and then they gave me the IP address and the IP address went straight to Houston, Texas where Mm -hmm. my ex was living. So then I got the police involved and just, it was a nightmare and it was really, I had to change my number. I had to move. Uh, it was bad. unbelievable that is yeah. ridiculous i can't imagine having to go through that and and the fact that you had to move um did, now, did anything ever a couple times because of dangerous situations <sighs> it's really scary did anything ever happen to him um no not really he's kind of just never progressed in life so i guess that's his punishment you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit, I mean, obviously you live in Los Angeles. I mm-hmm. used to live in Los Angeles. Now I'm, I'm back east, but, um, you know, and I very, very much miss the laid back attitude of Los Angeles. Not to say that there's no discrimination or no bigotry yeah. and stuff. Of course there is, but it's different. And so um, I'm wondering, what is it like to be a trans woman living in Los Angeles right now? Um, it feels a hell of a lot safer than it does in any other part of the United States, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely, I live in fear every day. I'm always scared that I'm going to be recognized as a trans person, that I'm going to be clocked, that, you know, I, I always tell people, like, basically, for most trans people, we wake up every day and just say, is today the day that somebody's going to kill me? And it's a horrible reality but that's pretty much the way we live and it's scary like the other day well a couple weeks ago actually they found a trans woman's body on Mulholland Drive and it's like it I never saw this much hate in LA in this whole time that I've lived here mm-hmm. as there has there there has been in the last like year I feel like there's just hmm. been a, a skyrocket of hate so um, do you correlate with that that with DeSantis I correlate that with Trump, actually. Hmm. So I take it back. It's not the last year. I'd say it's the last five years. But really, in the last year, it's gotten horribly bad. Mm-hmm. I think that the right has become just this radicalized hate mongers, and they honestly feel like their mission in life is to 
just be bigots yeah. and they're because they were condoned to do that yeah. they, president trump condoned that right. so it's like now they think oh i'm gonna carry out his legacy and every mm-hmm. time i see a marginalized person an interracial couple mm-hmm. a, a queer person i'm gonna attack them and i'm gonna get away with it Ugh. and unfortunately they do get away with it because yeah. nothing is ever done and and including before Trump, it wasn't easy. Like, I remember I had a couple stalking situations in L.A., and I went to the police, and they basically victim-blamed me and said, I bring this upon myself because of my, quote, lifestyle. I'm like, lifestyle? <laughs> I, I, I've i never even been drunk. Uh, I've never done hard drugs in my entire life. I've never smoked a cigarette. I, I'm home by midnight. Like, I don't <laughs> party. Like, what, what lifestyle are you talking about? Oh, you mean because I'm trans. Right. And they did nothing about it. Of course. So it's really scary. It's fucked up the way trans people are treated, and it's only getting worse. But mm-hmm. to live in L.A., again, I feel very lucky that I do live here because at least legally, we are somewhat protected here. Yeah. And, I mean, my experience there, I, you know, I, I like I said, I'm 54. So I moved to Los Angeles in 1977 when I was nine with my mom, and then I basically just grew up there. And... Mm-hmm. Being in the acting industry as well as I used to sell perfume. And so, you know, there was all kinds of LGBTQ. L- I just fucking fucked it up. I talked with Chris <laughs> Guzzi the other day and he, he, he said it too fast too and he apologized. The LGBTQ community um, is normal. Like, I mean, I, and, and I, you know, I've seen so many kinds of people. I mean, living, as you know, living in Los Angeles, you see everything. You yeah. see all kinds of weird shit. And that starts to become normal. And I, and it's the good shit. It's not, it's not the, like, I mean, yeah. obviously there's hate and everything, but like, I just love people who are different. And I think that's, you know, I think the problem is people are afraid of what's different than what they're used to or what they know. I love people who are different than I am because they introduce me to new things and they get me thinking and you know and it's like and and there's so many weird people like weird in the good way weird people in LA and and you know I I remember when I first started I I was working in a department store so let me think this was probably like 1987 1988 and there was this woman she was a trans woman although she didn't tell us she was a trans woman um but her name was Mirage (laughs) and I have to say she was absolutely gorgeous I mean at first we didn't know and I think you know of course people started talking I will say nobody from in that experience I don't remember any negative um attitude toward her and maybe it was just because we were in the makeup world and you know it was a little more open we were in Los Angeles but I mean of course people talked and wondered um but overall she just it was like I I was probably about like 20 so it's pretty young. And that, I think that was the first trans person I saw. And then she would have a friend who would often come visit her. Now, I guess he was, um, I, I don't know what you would, I don't know the correct terminology on this. Maybe just a cross-dresser. I don't know. And you can answer it. But he wore, like he would wear makeup and uh sequin like a blue it was always a blue sequin dress <laughs> and uh you know he didn't shave his he didn't try to sh- to look like a woman he just yeah. dressed like a woman and he put on makeup and stuff like that and so yeah. you know he would come and sit and talk to her 
and um, and so I was exposed to a lot of this, and it and it just became normalized. And so yeah. you know, it's hard for me now because I, I'm I'm in my uh, I, I'm kind of complaining, but I shouldn't complain. But you know, living on the East Coast, at least I'm in Maryland, and it's fairly diverse here, so that's good. But still it's not the same as the attitudes in California and I absolutely miss it. So I can imagine for you being in California, especially Southern California, it would, it would be easier, but it must be fucking terrifying. And I, you know, I'm wondering if you, if you have any sense of things like, obviously we're seeing the worst, but do you, do you have any sense that things will improve? Do you, do you, or, or, you know, what are you thinking about how things are going to go forward? In all honesty, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it like most people do. I don't see it getting better in my lifetime, unfortunately. Um, I look at a lot of other marginalized communities and think, how far have they come? Mm -hmm. And they haven't come very far. Yeah. So I don't, unfortunately, see waking up tomorrow and everybody being like, fuck, you know what? I was wrong. (laughs) Trans people are awesome. Yeah. So I kind of just have come to terms with that this is my life, this is my reality, and I'm going to fight as much as I can and try to educate as many people as I can and fight the people who are refusing to change. And when my time comes, my time comes. But it's like I've come to terms with that. Yeah. The uncertainty. I've come to terms with um, lack of safety. I've come to terms with that someone one day might hurt me. And it's scary, but it's like I can't just bury my head in the sand and be like, no, it's all going to be sunshine and daisies because I am I pretend it is. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I feel I totally get you when you say marginalized groups haven't come so far. I mean, just as a woman, I'm I think I skipped through my youth without recognizing I mean I always knew that there was patriarchy I always knew there was sexism and I had I think a fortunate experience in that some of the things that I chose to do like I was an outside sales rep and it's real and I worked on commission so yes there could be sexism in the way that I'm treated by certain clients or, or something like that, but my pay was always based on my performance. I didn't yeah. make any less than my male counterparts. Or, you know, and then in my Hollywood, when I was pursuing an acting career, I, I absolutely saw sexism, but I think, again, because I didn't get that far, I didn't have to deal with too much of it. And so, you know, as, as I've gotten older and especially been vocal and become, you know, more interested in politics... I, and then when Trump became president, I absolutely started for the first time in my life to feel not so much fearful. I don't have the experience you have, but I do have the experience that, I mean, with gun gun culture and yeah. with being a woman, that I could be out and about doing my thing. And just because I'm a woman, I could be a target. And again, not to the degree you would be a target or a person of color but it still exists and it's really upsetting. Oh, and I absolutely. just, absolutely. And I've actually, I was saying this to my boyfriend the other day. I was like, I think I hide the fact that I'm a Jew more than I hide the fact that I'm trans. really No, uh-huh. that's interesting. Like I'm really scared of anti-Semitism and the people who are like, Oh, there's no anti-Semitism. It's like, clearly you're not Jewish. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's horrible. Like I see it's 2023 and mm-hmm. I see every single day how much racism is in this world. And, like I see how much 
sexism mm -hmm. is still in this world and, and homophobia and transphobia. And I'm just like, we really haven't learned anything, no. have we? No. And it's like, and now they're trying to, you know, get rid of the history books mm -hmm. that are already whitewashed as it is, but mm -hmm. they're trying to get rid of anything that like shows the truth of our history. And it's like, we're just fucking ourselves up so yeah, much. We are. I know. My mom was just saying this morning when I was talking to her, she was saying about how she didn't learn because she follows. I, oh, God. She, what is that? I can't remember the um, publication she belongs. She, she, I can't think of the words right now. None of the words are coming to me. But, you know, she, she signed up for some it, – it, it's not a Black Lives Matter, but it's Black History. And mm -hmm. so, you know, delivered into her email box. She gets stories and stuff like that. So she said, oh, my God, I – and she had a good education growing up. Because I didn't learn about some of you, know, like, whole towns being murdered because no. too many black people were there. And it's like – she's like, I didn't even fucking learn that. And so, yeah. you know, how do you – process something when you don't even know it's there and you, you can't grow from it if you don't have all of the information and, and that's the yeah. thing is you it's so important nowadays to self-educate yes. because you're not taught any and i again grew up in a very liberal jewish household my family is incredibly liberal and like i had such a head start already mm -hmm. and really only within the last couple of years was able to break down all the shit that was systemically programmed in my head and just be like, okay, even with my own stuff, like my even trans stuff, I'm just yeah. like, God, we are so poisoned as a culture. Yes. Yes. And it's totally. Really, it's up to us to educate ourselves. Yeah. Because, you know, I realized, I, I never really realized before that some of my own, especially my insecurities were born out of patriarchal bullshit. Yeah. And, and, and that I feed into it whenever I put myself down and I still do it. But whenever I put myself down for my physical appearance, it's patriarchy and I'm feeding it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I look at it like the other day I saw a photograph of, of Jamie Lee Curtis and, you know, she she's heavier than she used to be when she was really young. She's in, by no means fat. But she was standing up on stage and she was wearing this beautiful dress and she looked so good. And, you know, I don't know exactly what goes on in her mind, but all I know is like, okay, here's, here's an example. I can't look at myself and I, I'm not too bad right now. I'm not as heavy I, as I was last year. I'm not as light as I would like to be, but I have this thing like, I don't even want to go to Los Angeles right now because I feel like I'm too fat for Los Angeles. And I know that that's stupid, but that's how I feel. And I know you understand that because you're on the oh, cabbage soup diet. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's yeah, like, exactly. I, I see and Jamie. I'm always like, and I, I was saying this to my boyfriend last night or whatever, like as a joke almost, but then I, I like, it was, I pissed myself off with it. Cause I was like, you realize <laughs> that like, I only try to look good for you. Like, I'm always scared that I'm not going to be attractive yeah. to you. And one day you're going to be like, fuck you, bitch. I'm out of here. Which he would never do it because he's right. incredible. But it's right. just like, that's programmed in my head yes. that I have to be attractive to men yes. in order to succeed in this world. And I hate that. I and know. I even have a friend who I wanted to bitch slap the other day because she was <laughs> talking about how she wanted, um, she, wants a, she wants to find a man to take care of her. And I was like, uh. I literally said, I go, why? Yeah. And she's like, well, because I, I want that lifestyle. And I'm like, but don't you want to 
be able to take care of yourself and don't you want to make your own money and not have to rely on a man? That's how my mama raised me. Yeah. Was you don't need a man, honey. So I'm a self-sufficient woman. And it's like, don't you want that? It's so empowering to be a self-sufficient woman. Wow. That's, you know, there, have you ever heard of the show Little People, Big World? Yes. Okay. So what's his name? Um, Jeremy Roloff married. He's one of the sons of the show. And now he's not a little person, but he married a woman named Audrey and she is hardcore evangelical. And I believe she, she wrote something like a blog post or something talking about that. When you get married, the woman's body belongs to the husband. And that basically no matter when he wants it, no matter what he wants, you give it to him. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what a doormat. <laughs> oh, my God. And, you know, and then my boyfriend, who's also political and has a podcast and everything, he's like, oh, my, you know, he's like, I see this is where we're headed. You know, yeah. this is where conservatives especially are headed. And they're trying to normalize. And, you know, adding on to this there, I've talked a little bit about this on the show, but every once in a while I uh, get caught up in YouTube And so there's this whole universe on YouTube of these patriarchal wives who film themselves cleaning their houses and like they literally film themselves cleaning their toilets. Do they want to come clean mine? (laughs) No, really. It's like, (laughs) hey, come, come video yourself cleaning my fucking house. But but it's like, but it's, and and I don't really have a problem with people who want to stay home and be, you know, stay at home spouses and clean their homes. That's like no problem. But it's this message that it's putting out, like, that's the woman's job. And yeah. it's it's really gross and it's upsetting. And, I mean, granted, these women are making money. They, I mean, yeah. and, and, and I will admit that it's kind of mesmerizing to watch people cleaning. And it has kind of helped me be a little bit more clean. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, but but I see this patriarchal crap and I just think, oh, my God. And. I mean, how far is this going to go? I mean, the women are dressing themselves up in prairie. I mean, prairie dresses are coming back. And I it's know. Like, I feel, oh. I swear to God, we're headed down Handmaid's Tale. Like, it it's, cannot be. No, we it, cannot have that. <laughs> it just, it's so scary. And I, <laughs> I, I, I see it all the time with these people. And I'm just like, how do you look in the mirror and think that, like, this is right like right. how do you think that be, like thinking a man has the right to control your body yeah. is a is the is a good thing yeah I, I don't get it it's you're like they're so brainwashed and the fact that they can't see that it's like i just i've i've absolutely lost all hope for these people <laughs> everyone's like oh well maybe they they just need to be educated no you can't no. educate you like there's that saying you can't argue with stupid mm-hmm. it's true you really can't no. so i just stop and like I was saying this to my friend the other day. I was like, I don't care what the average Joe Blow on the street thinks about me. I really don't give a fuck if you think I'm a man or not. Like, I care and I go after the people who have political power and I try to make changes where there's actual power. Like, I don't feel like we're ever going to be able to, like, completely convince every single person in the universe that, like, you know, that we're all, like, equal and that we're all amazing and whatever. But... I feel like it's so important for us to use our power and vote mm-hmm. for politicians who have our best interests at heart and aren't trying to turn us into these like subservient Christian housewives <laughs> in a white bread society. I, I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Oh my God. Yeah. Please no. no. And that's another reason I miss California. At least Maryland is blue. Um, yeah. Okay. 
before we go, I want to ask a couple more questions, but I just want to know, I mean, I know you said, and you're like me, I have a tendency to stay in a lot, mainly because of COVID, but also I'm not in love with the East Coast. I'm trying, I'm from here, but I spent so much time in California that it's really difficult for me to, like, I don't know, I, I, I'm trying to find the good. And yeah. so, um, and now that, you know, I mean, we have this crazy weather. Oh my God, I saw that video of you doing snow angels in sat- on Saturday in Insane. L.A. Oh my God. It snowed actually yesterday I at know. my house in Studio City oh and in Burbank God. it was snowing. Like actual snow. It yeah. didn't stick, but it was fucking snowing. I'm like, am I on the like, crack? What is happening? And I'm so but jealous. We went to... Um, like just really low levels in San Bernardino, like yeah. really low levels. And we're making snow angels. I'm like, this is insane. It is insane. And it's like, I, I'm jealous though, because I would love to see. I remember in, I think it was December of 2008. It was really, really cold one day. And there was, I think there was some snow on the ground because it snowed really, really, really early. And of course, you know, by like 11, it was gone. But mm. that was the only time in Los Angeles that it snowed when I lived there. So it's like I so desperately wish I could see. And it's funny because it snowed here on Saturday, too. On Thursday, it was it was like 80. And then it oh snowed God. on Saturday. And now it's it, back. It's like spring again. So it's like I'm getting this. Like I want to, you know, since I stopped taking the um, the hormones that were putting the weight on me, I've lost a little bit of weight. And so, like, the weather's kind of, you know, now it's like L.A. weather, basically. And it feels like spring, and I'm having this, like, thing of wanting to get out of the house. But my question here is, what do you do for fun, even though I know you're a homebody like me, but, like, what are the things that you do that make you happy? Um, I love to write music. I love to just hang with my boyfriend and go on little adventures. We spend so much time out in Malibu, Mm. and I just like to do things away from people. I I really don't like people at all. (laughs) So my idea of fun is road trips with my boyfriend or just staying home and writing music. Uh, He's also a musician, so we'll just write a bunch of songs and play video games. And, yeah, I I mean – agoraphobia runs in my family um and i definitely got hit with it (laughs) my whole life and then like you said after covid yeah it's even more like i don't ever want to go out oh my god i just dropped my phone um and (laughs) i i got covid in august and i went that was the first time i got covid so it's like after that i went back i went out once i went to an award show Mm -hmm. and i took my mask off for about five minutes and then the next day, me, my manager, and his wife all got COVID. Oh, no. And I knew it was from this event, and I was like, hey, I'm never going out again. <laughs> well, okay, I want to know. I've not had COVID. So how, what happened to you? What was your experience with it? It was the sickest I've ever been, and I had oh. meningitis twice. Oh, my God. So it was – I ran 100 – first of all, I, lit, I could not get out of bed that first day. It took, I went from my bed to the couch, and then 15 minutes later, I was able to get from the couch to my front door to get the groceries oh. I had delivered. And then, like, every four or five feet, I had to stop and lay down because I was going to pass out. Wow. And then I had 104 fever oh. for, like, a week that just wouldn't break. Oh. Um, uh, it was really, really bad. It was the sickest I've ever been, and I'm fully vaccinated and boosted and whatever, and I'm so grateful that I was because I have a feeling if wow. I wasn't, I probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, uh, my dad's cousin died from it early on. 
Um, so my boyfriend's just... grandfather died from it. My ne- my next door neighbor died from it. We Ugh. know a lot of people who died, including young people who I knew who died from it. Wow. So all these people are like, oh, but the vaccine is going to kill you. And the vaccine, <laughs> you have a better chance of dying from the virus than you do the vaccine. I'd rather take my chance with the vaccine. No kidding. And I mean, I, I don't know that anyone has legitimately died from the vaccine. No. Um, I mean, of, <laughs> cor- of course, there are breakthroughs. And they, they turn that into, oh, well, the vaccine doesn't work. And it's like, no, the vaccine saves your life. So, yeah, um, yeah and no, my, that's my scary. brother's girlfriend is a neurologist and works a lot with COVID people who have like uh, stroked out and whatever. And she sees it all. And mm-hmm. she's like literally the one thing that I see is unvaccinated people dying. And mm-hmm. the one thing they try to request at the end is the vaccine. And it's wow. like, sorry, it's too late for you. That's really sad really sad and she's like it breaks my heart because these people just are are they believe lies and then it comes to the time when now they need it Mm -hmm. and they should have gotten it and they probably would still be alive but then they die yeah wow i know in fact because my boyfriend and i like to watch little people big world but we know that the the guy uh, matt roloff his father died from it so you know i mean it's sad it's ridiculous and it's just I don't know. People are stupid. Okay. I have a question for you, though. If you watch sure. um, Little People, Big World, did you ever see that show, Little Women, L.A.? No, I haven't. I never okay, because I'm that. in that show. You season are? Season five and season nine of Little Women, L.A., I was in that show. Oh, my God. I totally want to go watch it now. <laughs> it was so bad. But, yeah, go watch it. It's really, I get in a fight with a little person, and I threaten to drop kick her across the room, and then I hit her in the face with my purse because she made some really transphobic remarks. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. (laughs) Not my finest moment, but the bitch deserved it. (laughs) Well, I will say this, even though it's really difficult to get me out of my house. If I lived in L.A., I'd want to hang out with you. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I would totally hang out with you. I think that would be so much fun. Um, Talking to you has just been a blast, and I hope that I can uh, have you back on the show at some point later down the line. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime you want, just call me. (laughs) (laughs) And I totally want to see – I want to see your vagina. And I've never said that to anybody before, so there you go. Um, I'll send you some pictures. Okay. Um, And then, of course, before I let you go, tell everybody where to find you i am across everything plastic martyr just my name p-l-a-s-t-i-c-m-a-r-t-y-r tiktok instagram twitter youtube facebook i think that's all the things i'm on um yeah <laughs> awesome and of course i am well i'm on on twitter i'm author kimberly and then on spoutable i'm just my name kimberly johnson don't forget the e the extra e at the end of my name my books are on amazon it was so awesome talking to you thank you so awesome talking to you (laughs) all right you have a wonderful day (laughs) oh and everybody go rent yellow bird on amazon go rent yellow bird on amazon okay and you're in that so awesome i'm in it i play crystal crystal i'm gonna watch that all right thank you so much it was awesome talking to you thank you bye Bye bye-bye